The Outlet. The Talk of Wanaka. It's quite difficult to pick out stuff that stands out. I mean, there's some individual things which at the time were stand out, like, like I got chased by the Taliban once in Afghanistan. That was kind of pretty up there. Mainly because I do long-form sort of observational documentaries and so on, what's great is I get to spend you know, long periods of time, up for a year, with communities or people somewhere. Welcome to The Outlet. I'm your host, Brent Harbour, and in this podcast, I talk to Paul Roy. Paul is a documentary filmmaker that has travelled all over the world telling unique stories, including the epic story of helicopter deer culling in the Southern Alps, Deer Wars, which is now a podcast on RNZ. We talk about Paul's career and the challenges in putting the podcast series together. The Outlet. From your Wanaka app. Let's check out a local event in Wanaka, brought to you by Liquorland 3 Parks, their for your next event with Unreal Deals. The Wanaka Park Run is on every Saturday 8am. Come along and join in this weekly 5k run. The event takes place at Wanaka Station Park. It is free, but make sure that you register before you head along. You can find out all the details and links on the Wanaka app. Just click on the Things to Do button and then Events. Paul Roy is a documentary filmmaker whose work has taken him around the world to remote villages and breathtaking landscapes. We chat about Paul's fantastic career and dedication to storytelling, including his new podcast series on RNZ, Deer Wars. G'day, Paul. Welcome to The Outlet. Thank you very much, Brett. You've had a remarkable 40-year career in filmmaking. Could you please share some highlights or memorable experiences from your documentary filmmaking over the years? Well, I've been in the field for like 40 years and stuff, so it's pretty widespread. Actually, it's quite difficult to pick out stuff that stands out. I mean, there's some individual things which at the time were stand out, like, like I got chased by the Taliban once in Afghanistan. That was kind of pretty up there. But but mainly, because I do long-form sort of observational documentaries and so on, what's great is I get to spend you know long periods of time up for a year with communities or people somewhere and then I lived in Australia for 20 years so I spent a lot of time doing films on Aboriginals there and living in the outback and living in quite remote places and that was fantastic I mean it was fantastic just to be with the people and and spend long times with them but then the end it sort of got too depressing it kind of wore me down so I, I stopped doing that but then I've done other ones where I lived for a year in the Northern, well, actually in the West Australia, right up in the tip, and I spent a year with some cops up there in a tiny little town, and I had a year on the Great Barrier Reef following various people around. So it's, yeah, it's pretty varied, and there's not, you know, there's not one thing stands out more than another, I think. So it's pretty hard work being involved in those communities for a long period of time. You sort of get to see the best and the worst, don't you? Yeah, I mean, the people are always lovely. I mean, no matter what film I do, wherever I go, I mean, I've worked in slums for long periods, and I tend to end up in third world countries and so on around the world a lot. And the people are universally nice, but it's all the sort of pricks around them and the people grubbing for money and the politicians and so on that gets in the way. But um, but I have been very lucky. And I'm especially lucky because I've been able to spend so long with, with people. I mean, these days you just don't get that sort of time to, to make a film or to do a podcast or whatever. I want to talk about your documentary Deer Wars. I mean, it got huge attention here in New Zealand. Can you tell me a little bit more about the inspiration behind it and the impact you think it had on the audience? Yeah, I mean, the inspiration was, I mean, it, it was quite well known. There's been a lot of books written about 
Well, the gr- ground colours and the helicopter people. I mean, every man and his dog and every pilot wrote a book about it. So the story was sort of out there, but, I mean, it was really made for television. And I came when I came back to New Zealand, I'd been away for a few decades. I mean, it just struck out that nobody had ever sort of addressed it, not since the 70s in any, any meaningful way. So it was a, yeah, it was just there waiting to be made, really. But it, it did take me a long time. And I've done two documentaries on first shooting from helicopters and then the live deer capture. And, of course, the people are getting quite old now because all the stuff happened in the, well, the earlier stuff in the 60s and 70s. And, in fact, quite a lot of people by now uh, that I interviewed are dead. So it's very lucky that I, I did catch them when I did. And the other thing that happened was I managed to track down a lot of incredible footage from around the place, which is literally stored under people's bed. I mean, had people ringing me up and say, oh, I've got a biscuit tin under my bed and I'll fly down and drop it off and he'd get out of the chopper and he'd give me a biscuit tin and it would be <laughs> and it'd be 10 you know eight millimeter sort of uh, little little reels and stuff so it was it was an amazing time it's one of the films I enjoyed making the most and I, and I think the thing that I was most pleased about I mean people all knew about the men and the helicopters and the guns and all very rah-rah and it's been built into a little bit of a myth but no one had ever bothered to go and talk to the women folk before so I spent a lot of time talking to the wives and ex-wives and the girlfriends and the widows. Of course, a lot of widows came out of that period. And that was really something of, I was really pleased to do. And I think most of them were really pleased to be asked because they got overlooked and they had to bring up the kids and the family and under very, very difficult circumstances. And men would literally go off in the morning and they didn't really know if they'd see them again. There were so many crashes during a certain period. So. Yeah, it was a, it was a it was a it was a great thing to work on, and I'm and I'm really really glad I've done it actually, because once those people have gone, they're gone, and you know, people won't believe it basically. Well, it is a significant part of New Zealand history, and now the great thing is, of course, you've got Deer Wars, the podcast with RNZ, and even just listening to the trailer, the emotion that comes from people that you're talking to is incredible. How did creating the podcast come about and how did you start to put it all together? Well, when you make documentaries, or you, you would know this, I mean, it's a very wasteful sort of industry television. You used to use a tiny percentage of the interviews that I did. And I think over the period of time, it was about 10 years in total from first to the second film, then I got a grant to do a little bit more. But I think I interviewed about 140 people or something like that in that region. And I do long interviews, sort of two-hour interviews inside. So there was just a massive amount of... So, but I had, I did have, so I had the material there from the documentaries, essentially. But then I had just so much, and I had to somehow cull it down <laughs> into some sort of structure, and it made sense. And I, mean, I did it chronologically, so that made it slightly easier. But I also discovered that what works on television, people that I thought would be marvellous in the podcast, don't work on radio. So it was, a, it was a pretty steep learning curve for me, actually. But I was helped out. I had two executive producers at Radio National, and they were fantastic in sort of keeping me on the straight and narrow until I found my own style and my own way of doing things. What were some of the challenges you faced when putting the podcast together, Paul? I think it was just a mess of material, really. It was just a huge amount of material and, you know, working out who told the story best. And in some cases I tried, well, for quite a few cases, we have uh, an incident told from two or three individuals and we dovetail them together so it was just it was basically just a massive editing job and it took me you know uh, well I think it took me on and off a year or, or in, in a bit just plugging away at it but I mean it's everything was there to be done it was just a matter of how we put it together and how well it was put together and 
and then you add bits like music and effects and bits and pieces, but that, that's relatively straightforward. But culling down, say, 300 hours or something and making it manageable and accessible for people is, is, is you know, it's, it's quite hard. And did you talk to anybody new for the podcast or did you just use your archive material? No, I did. No, no, I talked to some new people and I was really lucky. I got a grant from the, the New Zealand History Oral awards or grants or something and I did get some money from them small amount to to let me go and interview the early ground colors because they hadn't been part of my initial brief and that was really good because actually I wouldn't have made the project without those interviews because they went from the 1930s basically through to the 1960s and their experience was so different from all the gung-ho stuff that came later with helicopters and so on. So, yeah, no, I did. I interviewed quite a few of those. I was just in time. I mean, another few years and it would have been all over. I think the oldest person I interviewed was 97, Jock McIntyre. And he lives in, it took me a long time to find him. He lives in Toowoomba in, outside Brisbane. But he was as sharp as the tack, had incredible memory. And he'd also been in the service for like 40 years. So he had this breadth of experience and he, he just told the story so well. And he's in three or four episodes. So it was it was great. And when you hear the stories of those early people, quite a lot of people comment to me now that they've heard the podcast or the first few episodes. They say, man, we never realised how tough those guys did it. I mean, really tough. There were no huts, there were no bridges, there were no tracks. There was, there was nothing. They sent out and had to go and shoot deer. And the longest that someone spent in the field that I talked to without seeing anybody was eight months, which is just nuts. What's a memorable moment or interview for you from the podcast, Paul? Oh, I, I think that chap I just mentioned, Jock, Jock McIntyre, because he, he covered such a big period from the late 40s right through to, oh, I think he was going to the 80s, he, Jock was going, and he was such a treasure trove of people. But, I mean, there were quite a few that were memorable ones, and actually some didn't actually make it to the yeah, were For various reasons, they didn't quite fit into the, to the way that it was structured. But there were some very, I had some quite sad ones, and um, some of those are in there, and yeah, difficult ones. I mean, I had one chap you interviewed and his brother was killed or was actually decapitated by a helicopter that he was piloting so that sort of thing I mean it's dredging up a lot for them to talk about and the same with the wives too I've talked to a few widows and they're also in there yeah they were very memorable actually because they're very open and honest about it and it wasn't that it wasn't that easy but yeah I don't, I don't think there's any one individual that, but collectively there were some fantastic interviews and some people had never talked before they'd, they'd just shut up and you know let it, let it, let everything sit. But once they started talking, then they let it talk. Well, it's an incredible thing that you've put together. I mean, with the filmmaking and the documentaries and now with the podcast series, it's a really great piece of history for New Zealand that we'll have forever. So where can people hear, hear the podcast, Paul? Uh, the podcast, go. you can just go to wherever you normally get your podcast from if you're a podcast person. So that'd be like Apple or iHeart or Spotify, that sort of thing. But you get them wherever you, if you're a podcast person, wherever you get your podcast from. Yes, right, put in Dear Wars and it will come up. Otherwise, you can go to the Radio New Zealand, the Radio National site and download it from there. And they're also playing it, although I think they're in the third or fourth episode now, on Sunday mornings at 7am on Radio National. And that's uh, some, people, some of the older listeners who can't manage the podcast listen to it on there but it's, it's pretty easy to find actually and it seems to be going okay as far as I can tell with these things so what are you working on now Paul what's your next project well that's I've moved on pretty quickly the I'm going to do a podcast on the Wanaka search and rescue people because we have the biggest search and most call outs in the country down here because we're so close to the mountains and our area covers I live in Wanaka 
covers here and down south and over to the west coast. So they get a huge amount of call-outs a year. I'm interested in that, of course, but I'm also as interested in the older rescues that happened around here before the days of, I always get the name wrong, PLBs, the locator locator beaten. Because now you can, if someone activates one, you can more or less go to the spot where they are. But in the old days, before they came along, and not that long ago, actually, you had these massive ground searches, and it was often incredibly difficult and incredibly dangerous to get people out. But even, having said that, even now it's incredibly dangerous because you get people stuck in canyons on endless rescues off mountain aspiring, and it's a no-brainer, really. And the people are fantastic. I mean, they're a little bit reticent to talk, some of them, because they don't like to be seen as heroes, but I move fairly slowly, so they'll get over that. Well, I look forward to having a chat about that podcast, Paul, and thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. That's OK. It's a pleasure, Brent. Thanks for talking to me. The Outlet. Jobs Board. Here are some of the jobs you'll find listed this week on the Wanaka app. Thanks to New World 3 Parks for when it's your job to do the grocery shopping. Snow Sports New Zealand is looking for an experienced project manager to lead the delivery of their strengthen and adapt project, Maunga Wahine. They're looking for someone who is an expert project manager, is passionate about making a difference and wants to be involved in inspiring New Zealanders through enabling female athletes and coaches to reach their potential. Wastebusters is hiring a recycling team supervisor in Wanaka. With at least 12 months working in the recycling industry, you'll have the leadership experience and zero waste knowledge to step into the recycling team supervisor role. And Aspiring Beginnings Early Learning Centre has an opportunity for an administrator to join their team. The role is varied and includes some time covering lunches and being in the learning environment, supporting their team of teachers. So the ability to build relationships with a diverse range of people and be flexible is important. These jobs and more can be found by clicking on the Jobs button on the navigation bar of your Wanaka app. Download the Wanaka app from the App Store or Google Play. Thanks for listening to The Outlet, your local interview and information podcast for Wanaka. If you have a story or an interview you think should be featured on the Outlet podcast, get in touch by using the contact button on the navigation bar of your Wanaka app. The Outlet is produced and published by the Wanaka app and supported with funding from the New Zealand Public Interest Journalism Fund. All episodes of the Outlet are available in the podcast section of your Wanaka app and wherever you get your podcasts.